And good morning, everybody. It's awesome to see you. You know, on Super Bowl Sunday, we always show up at church as pastors wondering, will anybody make it or will they be in the pregame show uh, someplace? Um, Thank you for prioritizing being here in this uh, circle this morning. And let me just add to the good words that my colleague Tracy spoke, uh, just a warm welcome to those of you who may have been risking walking in here for the very first time. I'm conscious that uh, you're entering into a, uh, a special moment in the life of our church family because today we're marking sort of the, uh, I guess, the denouement, the crescendo of what has been a four-week series of reflections in which we're renewing our commitment to something we've called the Lift Vision. And if you have not uh, picked up a copy of the little uh, booklet we put out about this that's at the literature stations outside, grab one before you head out uh, today and you'll learn all about it. You can also go to lifttogether.us and you'll get information about this. This was a, a journey we began a year ago when we committed ourselves as a church family to, to coming together in a, in a deeper level of discipleship and stewardship to try and lift 10,000 people toward their God-given potential over the next two-year period. We're halfway through that journey. And this morning, following my message, we're, we're going to engage in an active commitment together uh, that provides an opportunity for those of us who've already been on this journey to, to rededicate ourselves and, and will extend an invitation to anybody else that might have a heart to come and be part of the amazing work God is doing. And I, I wish we had all the time in the world for me to walk through all the things that have been happening as a result of Lyft. You can read about a lot of it in the booklet or on our website as well. Let me just ask you a question. If, I, if you came to me following the service today and um, you, you said, can I, could you just have a couple of minutes of time with you, Dan, to talk about uh, something that's going on uh, in my life? And, um, and we pulled ourselves aside, maybe we walked down into my office, and, and you said, Dan, I'm really struggling in my marriage right now. It just feels like we don't know each other anymore. And I asked you the question, how long has it been since you had a, a regular pattern of date nights? Or how long has it been since you pulled away from the craziness of life and got away together and, and just pushed a little of the pressure behind you and looked into each other's eyes and, and talked about the beginning of the relationship and what bound you together and had the chance to play. How long has it been since you've played together? Chances are you'd, you'd think, that makes me a little uncomfortable <laughs> given where we are right now, but you'd see it was a pretty good question. Or suppose you came to me and you said, you know, I'm in that season of life where the kids are going every single conceivable direction. I can hardly keep up with the schedule. We pass like ships in the night in our house very often. And I feel like we're just losing a handle on family life. And I asked you, well, are are you guys doing uh, meals together? Is there a family meal time at least a few times a week where you're around the table together and you're checking in on the highs and the lows of the day You're finding out what makes you smile, what makes you frown. How long has it been since you had a rhythm, maybe even of praying together at the dinner table? Chances are, once again, you'd say, oh, well. But 
but you'd see the value of that question. And, and, and if after church today, you came up to me and, and you say, said, Dan, I'm, I'm having struggles with my golf game, I would say you're talking to the wrong person. I have no... But what I'd say, my friend Bill Sheehan is a three-time winner of the U.S. and British Senior Amateur Championship, Tens of Christ Church. Bill would say to you, would ask you the question, how long has it been, or have you ever gone to a good golf pro and asked about your grip? Because it begins with having the right grip, Bill would say. You'd probably be grateful for that question. And if for some reason you chose to come to me and say, Dan, I really want to learn how to, to, to manage the resources God has given me in life. I want to do it better than I've ever done it before. The question I would ask you is, are you tithing? How's it going with tithing? Because if you really think about it, as I hope you'll understand even better by the end of the conversation we have here today, that tithing is in many ways sort of an essential rhythm of uh, your marriage to God, a connection point in your marriage to God. Tithing is an essential practice or pattern in, in the life of the family of faith. Tithing is, is the way that we develop the right grip on money matters in our life. And so I'm gonna ask it bluntly this morning out of love for, for you and a recognition that I need the question too. How's it going with the tithing thing? Are you, are you tithing? Some of you might immediately respond, well, I'm not even really sure what tithing is. And that is understandable because there's a lot of confusion about that subject, what that word is all about. Some people think that tithing is, is sort of whenever we give to any charitable cause, whatever time we do that, any amount that we do that, and that's not bad, that is not bad at all. In fact, any kind of generosity is in a sense a, a, re, a rehearsing or a replication of the generosity of God's heart that moves out from self and towards the needs of others. So generosity in any direction is a really great thing. The Bible is more specific than that when it comes to the topic of tithing. And if I could sort of boil it down to the simplest idea, scripture would suggest that tithing is giving to the Lord's work the first 10% of your income. Tithing is giving to the Lord's work the first 10% of your income. And I want to break that idea down and understand together why are each of those things, those elements, important. So tithing is, first of all, giving to the Lord's work. Back when this idea first got advanced in the life of the Jewish people, uh, God's people in ancient Israel, the Jewish people uh, had a lot of claims upon their resources, like we have a lot of claims upon our resources. The Jewish people, as we do today, paid taxes. Uh, the Roman government was pretty tough and merciless, and, and actually you, you could really be severely injured by that government if you did not pay taxes. As I described last week, uh, the Jewish people also gave to their families. It's a very worthwhile target for our giving. And they also gave alms to the poor, as we discussed last week, is so close to the heart of Jesus. But tithing was the specific commitment that the Jewish people made 
to the work of the Lord through the life of the temple. The temple, in the Jewish mind, was the seed storehouse of the spiritual and communal life of ancient Israel. It was the place where they worshiped. The temple was the place where the hurting could find refuge. The temple was the spot where, where the young and the old could hear the word of life uh, preached and explained to them. It was the place where the great festivals of the people got celebrated and, and where the wonderful stories of how God had moved powerfully in history got told. The temple was the place where the identity of the Jewish people got formed in a very deep way. Now, this wasn't the only place where the Lord's work was done, that's for sure. Uh, God's not confined to a building. God's not confined to a particular spot in, in the world. But it was from that spiritual storehouse, that special place, that the seeds of God's grace and truth went out into the world and exerted an influence of a creative kind. And when the life of the temple was strong, the life of the nation tended to be stronger. And, and, and conversely, when the temple languished for lack of, of personal or practical support, the life of the nation tended to suffer. And I think there are parallels for our times that I could draw, I'm not gonna spend time on, but it's worth pondering the relationship between the life of the, of the cult, and I mean that in the positive sense of a, of a religious visionary belief system, uh, the life of the cult and the life of the culture, the kind of, of, of society gets shaped by the dominant vision of life at the center of the society. Now we have a word for this kind of storehouse in our uh, world today, and, and, and the word for that is church or Christian ministry. At least this is the way that followers of Jesus understand the meaning of temple in our time. Jewish people may look at it differently, and people of other faith traditions have their own version of this. But as I tried to emphasize last week, we're very conscious, especially here in this community, that the church is not the only place where the good work of the kingdom of God gets done, but it's an immensely strategic center for the furtherance of a lot of the other great work that gets done by various ministries. And that's why, you know, when Amy and I are figuring out what our finances and our financial commitments will be, we, and we tithe, that's a practice that we've had for a very long time in our family's life, um, about two-thirds of it goes to the local church. Maybe a third of it to, the, to, to Christian ministries of other kinds. And then we make offerings beyond that to lots of other good concerns and to you know, people that ask us for help and that sort of thing. Um, but the dominant part of our tithe is committing is committed actually to you, to this place, to the ministries and mission that we uh, do together from this particular spot. Now you need to figure out your own formula on this. You, you, you know, how you're gonna break down what you do with, uh, with that corpus that you commit, you're committing to the work of the Lord. Uh, I would just simply say that as you work out that formula, remember that the local church doesn't get government grants. The local church can't make money by selling products. I guess it could, but we don't. The local church doesn't get gifts usually from outsiders, although every now and then people are touched by what they see and they say, hey, I wanna help out there. The local church, just like the life of the ancient temple, depends upon the tithes 
of the people, of the limited circle of people that call the temple or the church their spiritual home. So that's the first big idea I want to underline today. Tithing is giving to the Lord's work through God's storehouse. The second big idea I want to stress today is that tithing is giving the first fruits of of your income. Um, The book of Proverbs puts it like this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now, chances are all those farmers weren't wealthy in in a classic sense, but but the term wealth means with what you have, uh, with the resources that you have, with the first fruits of all your crops. In other words, don't just toss in what's left over after you've used your resources on everything else that you want. Don't just wait till the end of the month or, or the close of the year to see if there actually is anything left that you could possibly spare. Tithing is about giving to the Lord the first portion of, of your capacity. Um, why is that important? Why, why, why is that a significant thing? Well, for several reasons, and I guess the first of which is just because God belongs first. Um, God belongs first. Uh, God is the source of every morning I wake, of every step I take, of, of, of every dollar I make. You know, God is the source. He's holding the molecules of my body and everything in the universe together at this very moment. And he's doing that for, for all of us. And so giving the first fruits of my life to God isn't an act of heroism. It's like, not like exceptional virtue. It's just gratitude. It's, it's like a, th- a simple thank you note. It's just, like, it's just a, the right and good thing to do. Secondly, giving our first fruits is important because at least in my case, maybe for you too, I need reminding. I need regular reminding that God is first. I got a lot of things clamoring in my life for first place. And the chances are you do as well. And seeing that auto withdrawal going out of my account or writing that check on the start of the month or, or putting something in the offering plate or using the giving app, which is my preferred mode of, of giving, um, on the first day of the week, each week, doing that, it just helps me keep God in my own mind as the first thing, as not, not a leftover or afterthought uh, reality in my life. It, 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 it keeps him the priority. And Jesus said that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. He wasn't just saying, although I think he was saying, that where we spend our treasure will reflect our heart, there's probably actually no better way of knowing what my heart really is beyond what I'm saying up here than if you actually studied my giving patterns, my spending patterns. That's gonna tell you a lot about my actual heart. Our giving reflects our heart, but it also affects our heart. Because where we invest ourselves, our heart tends to follow. It tends to pursue it uh, more significantly. So I want my heart to go after God. And so I actually send my treasure out first. (laughs) And that helps me follow in a more intentional kind of way. So maybe think about this in your life. How do you express the firstness 
of God in your own personal practice. The third reason for putting God first uh, is that doing that with your giving has the same beneficial effect that putting your kids or your spouse first with your giving does. Um, I've been blessed with uh, great kids. Um, I, I have established a practice in the last month or two with our, one of our kids in which I, on Sunday afternoons I play Baldur's Gate 3. It's a video game. It's like a Dungeons and Dragons in 3D this, and amazing graphics. And it's, it's, it's his, he loves this game. This is a, a joyful thing for him. And he invited me. Would you like to do this with me, Dad? This could be a really neat way for us to stay connected with each other. Now, I feel about playing video games as enthusiastic as I feel about the idea of giving my money away. <laughs> truthfully, truthfully. But my heart is changing about Baldur's Gate because it's this incredible connection point with this kid I love who lives in another state. And so our giving is, is like one of these ways of, of creating a connection, of reflecting the priority we give to that relationship that we have with God. It strengthens the relationship. It also makes the other party even more eager to bless uh, you and the relationship that the two of you have. This is what Proverbs is actually getting at when it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then, it goes on and says, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. God is saying in effect here that, that if, if you want me to trust you with even more resources, show me how much our relationship matters to you. Make this commitment. I want to supply you with more, but I need to know that your heart is beating after things my heart beats for. So put me and my interests first. So let me just quickly summarize this to kind of land some of these ideas and, and make sure you, we can hold on to them. Tithing is not about giving just anywhere. It's about supporting the work of God's storehouse. Tithing is not about giving just any time, but about putting God first and thirdly and finally, tithing is not about just giving any amount. Tithing is giving the first 10% to the Lord's work. It's not giving whatever I happen to have in my pocket at the moment, although that might be a start of the tithing process. It's not a gift that, 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 might, that seems big to me, uh, arbitrarily, uh, or probably better than the next person is giving, though it might be. The word tithe comes from a word that literally means tenth. Tithing is giving 10% of our income first to God. And so when God says through the prophet Malachi, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, he's aware that for a lot of people, they haven't quite gotten to the whole tenth thing yet. And, and, and that's true for any community. That's okay. God's just inviting us. Keep going on this journey towards that tenth. An offering is what we give after we've given the tenth. In fact, you'll hear us say it sometimes from up here. And now we present to the Lord his tithe and our morning offerings. I think there's a wonderful grace in this, as much as it may sound heavy at, at times. I think there's, a, there's kind of a cool grace to this because it puts all of us on the same footing. 
you know, you, you drove in here today, you saw some cars nicer than the car you drove in in, maybe. And, you, and, you, and sometimes people think, look at a place like Christchurch and think, oh, there's a lot of really affluent people here. Well, what, what difference is what I do? What difference does it make? It makes a lot of difference. It makes a lot of difference to your heart. It makes a lot of difference to God. It makes a lot of difference to what we do together. And we're all on the same footing because it isn't about the amount. It's about, it's about what the percentage says about our priorities. In fact, there's a wonderful story in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, you may remember it, where Jesus is in the temple, and this Pharisee, this very religious person who's very wealthy, comes in and dumps a whole bunch of money into the big coffer that was there, and it was a metal coffer, and it made a huge, huge, clanging, rattling sound, and everybody turned around and said, wow, look at that incredible generosity. And this little old lady comes hobbling in, and She's, she's, all she's got is a mite, which is the smallest coin, you know, in, the, in ancient times. And, and she just drops it, and it doesn't even make a sound. And Jesus is watching this. And he says to his disciples, that's the one after my heart. Because the sacrifice that gift represents for her is so much more significant than what the Pharisee just did. Man looks at the outward appearance, the Bible says. God, he's always looking at the heart. I talked this past week, um, on Monday actually, um, with, with a gentleman uh, who comes to this church who, who was very, pretty frustrated. Actually, um, he spoke to me, as, shall I put it lightly, enthusiastically. Uh, because last week I had said during the message that over the last 50 years, uh, we'd seen an, a, a really significant rise in personal income, even adjusted for inflation, uh, at the middle income level and at the higher income level. And, uh, and that therefore it was puzzling that the average charitable gift in America was about 1.7% of income. Not even close to a tithe, 1.7%. And it actually is a 40-year low, that number in spite of the fact that overall income has, has, has gone up. And this particular man told me in very passionate terms that this was not his experience, that he had gone through all of this incredible duress and losses and challenges. And, and as he's telling his story, I'm going, oh man, that had to be unbelievably hard. And I apologized to him. I should have said individual circumstances may vary because they do, because they do. And I said to him, I'm just, I'm just so glad that you came in and got mad at me because it gave me a chance to hear your story. And now we know each other. Um, some of you are in a place of tremendous duress right now, perhaps. The thought of, of tithing is just like so far outside the realm of your, of your, of your sense of capacity that, that, that to have that hammered at you would, would, would impose the very gravity for which the grace of Christ is intended as the corrective. And so I want to just say to you that if you find yourself in that place, uh, and, and we go ahead and do what we're going to do a little later and make some commitments, I want you to feel freedom. I want you to know that we love you for who you are, not for, for what you can give. And, and, and I hope you hear that loud and clear. I'm also aware that there are some of us for whom the, the, the storyline isn't like the gentleman I met on Monday. And, and, and God has given us a capacity, even though we've had challenging times, he's still given us a capacity 
to keep growing in our generosity and to move towards uh, tithing. And, and, I, and I hear sometimes from people who are in that place where they're sort of feeling stirred. And they, one of them said to me some time ago, you know, I, I give 10%. I've been giving 10% for quite a long time. Uh, and, I'm, um, and I'm aware it's not really challenging me very much. Uh, I think it ought to hurt more. Maybe I should give until it hurts. And I said to him, that's a really noble idea, but I don't actually think that's the point. I don't think that actually is the biblical standard. I think the biblical standard is joy. Remember that story we told last week about the Macedonian churches, the poor churches, who saw the need in Jerusalem? And, and, and Paul tells us that, it, that, that their, their generosity and their overflowing joy came together as they begged for the privilege of being involved in the life-changing work that needed to be done. The Bible says that it was for the joy set before him that Jesus went to the cross. And I would say if you're looking for a standard to know when you're at about the right level, just keep going till you feel joy in the privilege of being involved in that way, in, in the life-changing work of Jesus. Um, a more common question I hear, however, is, is it 10% before or after taxes? <laughs> yeah, we all ask that question, right? So here's my answer. Pick either figure. Pick either figure and just start there or, or, or step toward giving 10% of that and see if God doesn't give you the capacity and the desire to keep going. Wherever you happen to be in the journey, and it's a journey, uh, whatever you happen to be, let me just finish up today by suggesting a couple of, maybe three wonderful reasons why it would be so great if over the next year, all of us could inch up a percentage point or two from wherever we happen to be in our actual stewardship practice today. The first reason is suggested by what God said to Israel through the prophet Malachi long ago. I quote, Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Uh, this is a consistent theme, by the way, in the, in the Bible. You know that, that um, it's not that people don't do some of God's decrees. It's just they don't really implement them fully. That's why Jesus says, obey all my commandments. He says, this is a system. This is a way of life that I'm calling you into. Don't just do a buffet belief system and take a little of this and a little of that and say, I'll ignore the rest. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. It really means fully kept them. Will a man rob God, he asks, yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And the answer is, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Now, I want to encourage you to remember that this word is coming at me. I'm not sending it towards you. I'm just the messenger, and I'm also a receiver of the same challenge that God gives us here. But what God is saying, and I think it's really important that we just name it bluntly, is that he doesn't think it's asking too much for us to, over time, figure out some way of managing our resources you know, bar those incredible times of duress that, that come from time to time, some way of managing them over time that we're able to reinvest 
at least 10% of what he's entrusted to us in the work of his kingdom. Let me give you sort of a more concrete image. Let's suppose it's after the service today, and one of you hustles out, and you get down to the Mission Cafe ahead of the crowd, and you buy up 10 donuts. And you get them put in a box, and you come over uh, to me where I'm standing outside, and you say, Dan, I bought these. These are for you. And, and I'm smiling because I like donuts, and I'm always hungry after I preach. And, and they've got chocolate icing and vanilla icing on them. They're fantastic. And I reach out to grab one of the donuts, and you say, oh, not that one. Not that one. Because, like, on my way upstairs and over to you, I saw somebody who looked really, really hungry. And, 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 and like, it had been a hard day. And I, I want to give that one to that person if it's okay. And I look at you and I say, no way, I need that one. I need, I've got plans for all the donuts. But I might be able to spare this little crumb. And I'll use 98.3% of the rest on my stuff for me. What would you call that? Would, you, would any of you call that rude? Would any of you call that ridiculous? God calls it robbing. <laughs> God calls it robbing. Uh, it, it, when we can't figure out a way to, to, to manage our money in such a way that we can get even close to a tie that bugs him. It bugs him in part for the second reason that I want to highlight, and that is God wants to bless us and other people through us. He really does. That's why God goes on to say in the text from Malachi, bring the whole tenth into the the storehouse, the whole tenth. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have enough room for it. How much blessing could God pour out if his people were doing what he says here? I ran the numbers. Estimates only. I I googled, what's the the average after-tax household income in DuPage County? Do you know what the answer is? $140,000 after-tax. Average now. Keep in mind, Some are higher, some are a lot lower, but that's the average. What if if just 10% of that average in each household was given, and what if we multiplied that by the number of of people, of households we know are part of Christ's church? What's the number? It's way north, way, way north of $20 million a year. It's a flood of capacity which could lift way more than 10,000 people toward their God-given potential. It's, It's an awesome thing to contemplate what God could do if we had the heart to give back one donut out of all that he's given to us. So let me leave you with one final reason to move toward tithing or maybe even beyond it if you're already there by telling telling you a story. When I first moved here years and years ago, um, 
down in Hinsdale, in the place where the Starbucks is, there was a drugstore, and the drugstore used to have one of those old-fashioned counters where they served soda and ice cream. And the story that I heard I didn't happen necessarily at that location, but in a place like that, and, and this 10-year-old boy walks into this, um, to this shop, and uh, he sits down at a table, and a waitress comes by, and she sticks a glass of water down on the table, and she looks expectantly at him, and in bright eyes, he looks up at her, with a smile on his face, and he says, I would like to have an ice cream sundae. And, and, and she says, well, that'll be 50 cents. You can tell this is a while ago. That'll be 50 cents. And the boy's brow furrows, and he reaches into his pocket, and he digs around, and he, and he kind of comes up with a, a, a bunch of coins, and you watch him sort of counting uh, the coins out in his hand. And then he looks up, somewhat distressed, and he says, how much for a plain bowl of ice cream? And the waitress, who's like, on the clock is a little irritated. She says, it's going to be 15 cents less. It's 35 cents. And the boy says, I'd like a, I'd like a bowl of, of plain ice cream. Thank you. And uh, she goes away. She gets the ice cream. She comes back. She puts it at the table. She walks away again. The little boy looks at the ice cream. Thankfully, he takes his spoon. He begins to eat it. He finishes the entire ice cream. And then he gets up and he leaves and goes out of the store. Well, the waitress comes back. And um, she's got her, her sponge to clean off the table, and she starts wiping down the table when what she sees on the table stops her in her tracks and puts in a lump in her throat. Because there next to the, to the bowl that had been, like, licked clean are, are, are some coins. And, and, and the coins... Are, are, are just exactly 15 cents, a dime and two nickels. The difference between an ice cream sundae and a pretty good plain dish of ice cream. And a very generous tip, I might add. I don't think there's anything more beautiful than, than somebody young being willing to sacrifice something to do what's right and good. I think it's beautiful. I think in our heart of hearts, you and I have a desire to live a beautiful life. You know, at the end of the, end of, the of our days, not to look back at all the stuff, but to look at the, at the beautiful things we've been able to do and the beautiful heart that God has crafted in us and the way he's used that heart in the world. So I want to just invite you to, to, to join me and my household in making a fresh beginning this year, uh, in, in, in thinking again about sort of where we are on this journey and testing God on his promise. Keep in mind, he's never, he says nowhere else in the Bible, test me. But he says, test me in this. Be generous. See what I do. And let's keep believing together, shall we? In a grace that is greater than the gravity of life. Let's believe in that grace and let's put hands on and let's work to lift together maybe even more than 10,000 people toward their God-given potential. Please pray with me.
Lord, it humbles us to recognize that we frequently are even more generous to the people who serve us ice cream than to you who have given us life, salvation, and eternity. In our clearest moments, we know what we want to do with at least one of those donuts. We want you to have it back. We want to see what you can do with even a tenth of our resources. Indeed, we want the whole of our life, God, to honor you. And so as we go forward from this place today, help us to be even more prayerful, even more careful in our money management. Help us to get out of debt. Help us to save wisely. Help us to become generous givers and tithers. For we remember that though you were rich beyond compare, you humbled yourself. You took the form of a servant. You poured out your very life that we might become rich with the heart and the hope that matters most. What a beautiful life you live, God. Make us more like you. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. As each of us prepares to make our own response, and I'll come back and talk about that in a moment, watch with me this wonderful, I would dare say beautiful testimony from one of the couples in our Butterfield congregation. My name is Matt Boltice. Uh, this is my wife, Kathy. We've been coming to Christ Church since early 2022. We attend the Butterfield campus. We started coming to Christ Church because I was horseback riding with a member of the Butterfield campus. She and I were chatting about churches. We were looking for a new church home, and she said, and if you know of an acoustic guitar player, Matt's been an acoustic guitar player for for years and years and years. You know, that's like such a gift to me to be able to do that, to do something that I love to do and honor God doing it. So one of the ways that we have gotten involved was in the Rooted Group. We mm -hmm. joined a Rooted Group at our first opportunity and we did it more for the social aspect. We just really wanted to get to know people. And we also grew spiritually in like leaps and bounds that we were just not expecting. The biggest effect for me was with prayer. You know, my prayer life really changed. There was new ideas about prayer that I hadn't really considered. Journaling, listening. This was more, Matt, be quiet, listen. And when I did that, it changed my relationship with God for sure, and, and He spoke to me. So it was amazing. A big spiritual moment for me going to Christ Church in the last year was going through the Lifted Group. We were at a position last year where we had some financial uncertainty, and so then this Lift program starts and we're kind of like, Ugh, I don't know. Started coming to the realization that, hey, we need to not be so worried about money and need to start thinking about, you know, what God wants us to do and be listening to Him. And so we always kind of said, we'll tithe. Whatever God gives us, we'll give you 10%. And uh, I think I was losing some of the joy in giving, having that be kind of a contractual obligation, you know. And we kind of 
turned that completely upside down because of Lyft. And what we ended up doing was making a commitment that we couldn't support based on what we were making and based on the new bills that we had and just kind of went forward in faith. And uh, we both were kind of like, okay, Sweaty God, palms. okay, Sweaty God, palms. you know, let's see what happens. <laughs> and the very next day I got a contract renewal at my business that, I mean, it's unprecedented, that kind of assured my income for the year and maybe even beyond. And I texted Kathy and I said, this big thing came through. And she's like, God's laughing right now. <laughs> you know, why didn't you trust him, you know? And then we even got to the point in August, you know, where we had to increase the amount that we were giving because God's blessed us so much. Doing Lyft and, and kind of making our commitment that we made here, it's made it a much more kind of joyful thing. And it's almost like laughable because I still don't understand how it's working, but it is. So every time that I give, it just, it puts a smile on my face knowing that somehow God is handling all of it for me. If you're afraid to make that commitment, I can understand being afraid, but just take that leap because God will show up in the most incredible ways. God's provided for us. God's been generous with us and uh, even encouraged us to keep going beyond, you know, and I'm hoping that uh, in another couple of months, we'll be increasing it again. <laughs>